It's funny, like I never do that before I usually podcast. I'm like I literally just go like go straight into it. But anyway, you can't reply because you're on mute. <laughs> I unmuted myself just to be able to reply to you. But, oh, um, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll mute myself now again. Okay, wait. Hi. Hello, my strong, strong friends. How are we today? Uh a special podcast episode for you because not only do you get to listen to just me waffling shite but also my sister I don't know if she's really a waffler um but you know what we'll find out um so we've got Emma on the podcast today um which is an exclusive for the podcast the first time we've done anything like this so fuck knows what's gonna happen um hello Emma you want to unmute yourself Yeah, it's like, it's half eight on a Saturday morning because we both woke up and we're like, today is the day that we are doing this because I think we were like, we were, we were just speaking earlier and we were saying how it must have been like, I mean, I could go back into the group chat, the coaching group chat and figure out when we said, oh, I'm going to get him on the podcast, but it was definitely the start of the year. Um, and we are now more than halfway through the year. So that's great. But do you know what? Good things come to those who wait, so yay. <laughs> I'm excited to have you here though. Yeah, very excited to have a little weather and get to podcast because I've listened to quite a week, so Yeah, you involved. you listen to them, don't you? Do you listen to all of them or do you just like cherry pick based on the like the topic? Um, no, to be honest, just because um I, I sometimes listen to them as I walk to work and um, I just know that you're going to say something that's going to make me laugh. So to be honest, I just I just listen to any and all of them. Cool. I've had like um, I have had messages from you saying that you like you've been in the gym training and listening to them. Yeah, that is definitely the only time I can't listen to them for sure because you talked about bagel sounds at one point and I was like mid chest press and like that was that was not the one. <laughs> I just like burst out laughing in the middle of the gym. So no, it's definitely a walk to work type podcast. I feel. I don't feel like I can now that I've like almost like created this vendetta against bagel sounds. I don't feel like I can now ever eat them um but it was actually really interesting so there's a couple of girls in the gr- group that are diabetic and they and and one of them messaged me when I put the story up and she said oh it's actually a really great option for me because obviously less carbohydrates and I was like I'd never really thought about it from that kind of perspective before um yeah I think you know? I think we don't and I think it depends on where your expertise lies like I sometimes have um, clients that are coming in to see me and they're like oh should I be taking this supplements or you know what would you suggest I take you know even for me like I don't have any qualifications in nutrition so if they're asking me even about like amount of protein intake like I, I don't have yeah any any kind of prior knowledge to be able to advise them on that so I think that's mm-hmm. where it's really useful to have other people kind of message and say actually this is a good option for x y and z because yeah. they maybe yeah. have more expertise whether that be knowledge or kind of personal experience on mm-hmm. oh, totally yeah this is actually a great lead-in do you want to do you want to tell everyone kind of what you do yeah sure um so I am living and working down in London so I work in a private practice um, called Six Physio and um, we have nine clinics across London and I'm the clinic director slash physiotherapist um, at one of the clinics in the southwest and um, so that pretty much covers what I do so I have about kind of Maybe seventy five percent of my time is still, um, or is managerial kind of responsibilities, and then twenty five percent 
um, oh, other way around, 75% is my physio, sorry, and then about 25% is managerial responsibility. So I still do an awful lot of physio, um, but manage a team at the same time. Which I think is really nice because, like, we've spoken about this before, how you spend so long, like, you obviously you go to university, you study, and then, like, obviously with with a a career or like an industry area like physio like it evolves the whole time I guess so like for you to be you need to be like up to date with everything so like it's nice that you're still like you've got your finger on the ball kind of way with practically doing things yeah definitely I think it's nice to be able to kind of keep in touch with the clinical skills um also you know I do find that the majority of people that come into a role like this is because they like working with people so and although you know with kind of the, the kind of managerial role, I obviously am working with people, mm-hmm. working with my colleagues, um, but it's nice to still keep in touch with clients and, you know, helping them because it's, you know, why, why you go into physio, I would have thought. Yeah. Would you say that there's, uh, now that you've obviously, how long have you been graduated for? Um, I have been graduated for four years now. Because you, right, so just to get the timeline, because you and Anna both went down to Glasgow at the same time, but you, was it was a year you worked for? It was it was a year and eight months. So it was two years to start uni after Anna. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Anna will be like two years, six years graduated and you're four years. And you moved down yeah. to London two years ago? Um, three and a half. Stop it, really? Yeah, I know. Moved down at the start of 2020. Oh just God. Before. The world went a bit different. Pally D. <laughs> so, so we call it that the other day, and I thought that's funny. <laughs> Pally D. Well, I suppose it gets um, it makes it a bit more light. Some I, I, I like. I hate just saying. I hate like obviously I'm going to say the word <clears throat> COVID, but like I hate. I don't really like referring to it as that. It's like almost like a. It's not an ick, but it's like a e. Anyway, um, it's like the word moist. You just don't really like to say it. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask you there. What, like, so obviously you've been qualified for four years now. What would you say is maybe a misconception about your, like, being a physio or the physio world that you've only realised having, like, been qualified and worked in the industry? So something you maybe, when you were, like, signing up through UCAS for uni, you thought, oh, this is what it'll be like to be a physio. And then in reality, dot, dot, dot. Is there anything, like... That's a, that's a really good question. Um, is there anything? I mean, there's definitely some things I think from a personal perspective, and I do mm-hmm. see this a lot, um, and it's not necessarily individual to me, but um, and absolutely not to um, to grade the physiotherapy courses, absolutely not. Um, it's a fantastic course to go on. Um, but what I think I had anticipated is that I would have a bigger or better understanding of sort of strength and conditioning mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that sort of side of things but in actual fact it's such a small part of our course yeah. we learn more about obviously anatomy biomechanics a pathology and sort of treatment of those pathologies mm-hmm. um, and but yeah don't really delve into the strength and conditioning side so when I'm obviously now working particularly I think in um, in private practice where I'm working with um, some like sports people and and, and such like kind of their end stage rehab or getting them back to sport, return just return to play those kinds of things it's actually quite has been quite challenging steep learning curve because mm-hmm. I didn't have that I think exposure when I was actually in uni yeah um so that I think would be the main thing to be honest yeah because I remember like when I 
when I graduated, so when I did my undergrad then, and then I did my masters and I had like a midlife crisis like a year or six months before the end of it and realised actually I'm never really going to use this to its true potential and I was looking to do physio and I remember like the physio tutors at the uni I was like speaking to saying like some of the best physios have done like SNC or strength and conditioning before they because you have that then or like they do it in like maybe not necessarily that order but they'll have that combination of understanding because it is like you would you would expect and it's like no fault of your own or anything but you would expect that you go to see a physio they're prescribing you exercises and that they will have that understanding of like you know I don't know someone has a specific injury in their leg you know the muscle groups but you don't necessarily have access to like the range of exercises that you could prescribe them or you know like I don't know is that is that right yeah yeah definitely I think it's like you can diagnose an injury um and kind of obviously based on the structures um which which are involved um and then from there you create obviously a treatment program Mm-hmm. And go through and and face off of okay, what's the healing time of that structure, um, and actually how do we manage this appropriately? And I think from that point, physios are really great because they can they're able to dial down the exercise depending on this very intensity of the injury, um, kind of what the irritability is. So does does you know the knee, for example, get really painful really quickly, and does it take a long time to settle down? So how do we sort of desensitise the area to allow you to get some form of exercise to get that structure to actually work again. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not work again, it's probably the wrong terminology, but um, to get it to, like, activate or to switch on or for the muscles around about to do a little bit more work so this, those structures aren't loaded as much. Um, as I say, it's more towards when they're getting a bit more functional, they're doing a lot more exercise and weight bearing, we're trying to load them a bit heavier. That I do completely agree. I think having the you know, a, a strength and conditioning course under your belt or at least maybe even be training in that capacity yourself. I think mm-hmm, you can yeah, uh, utilise yeah. those exercises for patients. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I suppose it's, it's the same goes for everything. Like, Christ, this is turning into more of a... Um, remember in school when you were in, like, senior years, you would go and, like, get all these careers talk. I feel like this is what we're doing. <laughs> Don't know, worry, guys, my uh, my coffee will kick in eventually and then the madness will commence. But um, it's maybe just too early for me to be podcasting. That's why I'm so, like, I feel like this is a very professional conversation. Um, but, yeah... Um, what was I to? Oh yeah, a uh, no. Oh, I lost my train of thought. That that's more like me now. Um, <laughs> You're coming into your groove now. Yeah. Oh, I've totally lost what I was going to say to you. Oh, that was it. Sorry, that was it. That was it. I remember now. Um, like what you were saying about um, like you don't learn everything like at your course and stuff like when you did your when you were at uni and stuff and it's it's kind of almost it's like your driving test a little bit like you you learn what you need to learn to pass your test but then you also learn so much more afterwards when you're out just like driving on the roads and stuff shout out to far who passed her driving test the other week as well beep beep um but yeah like um the same goes for everything um you know there's a lot of a lot of um people go through their like 
a fitness instructor or PT qualifications um, and think that they're going to learn everything. And, and the fact is, like, you really don't learn everything. It's a flipping multiple choice exam at the end. Like, it's not difficult, really. Like, you know. Um, yeah, I um, think it's, you, you, you just learn things, I think, in, like, more practical. Obviously, when you're out there working with people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Best place to learn. Yeah. Um, so, in saying that, what would you say is the biggest failure you've made so far in your career um, that you're willing to share? And what did you learn from it? The biggest failure in my career? Um, or mistake or biggest kind of like, ooh, shit moment? Um, I'm not really sure if this answers the Well, it does in some respects. It does answer the question, but you can tell me whether Mm -hmm. you like the answer or not afterwards. (laughs) Not that I can go back at that point. Unacceptable. um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would probably say, um, I would probably say thinking that I'm being sort of um, streamlined into a certain direction when I qualified as a physio. Mm -hmm. Like, essentially, like, I've been so transparent about this with so many people, and even managers, even my manager today, that when I first qualified, like I already was like, I don't know if I want to be a physio. Mm-hmm. And I think it was because I felt like I was being gatekept in this sort of very like niche bubble and there wasn't avenues to be able to go and do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, I think I was quite naive to that. And when I was working in the NHS and then working as a local kind of during COVID because um, I just wasn't able to get as much experience. So I worked to local, which basically needs your agency. Um, physio so you can kind of move around a bit more freely um, I think I did that to just kind of get yeah a little bit more um, e- exposure to things and to see if I could like reignite the fire of being a physio mm-hmm. um, so I think that then I went and did like a, a leadership and management course just to you know to try something to try something new and actually it, to cut a long story short it's kind of led me to where I am because I was very fortunate to get contact with the company that I work for and to start with them and then obviously they're fantastic at um, kind of supporting individuals to explore other avenues of, of physio or what that look like within a clinic capacity such as you know being a clinic director or being a lead of a specialist service or whatever that might mm-hmm. be. Um, so I think, I don't really know if it's a failing or a mistake but I think naivety of when you start out doing something and thinking that's you kind of streamlined in a particular yeah. path mm-hmm. and actually there's are so many things I can do with this, the softer skills I've learned during uni or whilst I'm working with clientele all the kind of timekeeping and um, all those kinds of things that mm-hmm. mm-hmm. no I think and that's probably something that like again in high school you get to like senior phase and it's like you're pushed for want of a better word, in the direction of you have to apply to uni and uni is the, you know, the gold star option for you. And then it's like you go to uni, you graduate and it's like, okay, cool, now you're going to do something within that industry for the rest of your life. But it's not then, you don't probably ever have like a tutor that on your uni course that says, you know, yes, you know, this is a physio course, but there are so many options that you can you know, of what you could do with this qualification. You don't just have to work for the NHS or for a private clinic. You could be, you know, like you say, doing what you're doing now and that you're still kind of tapping into, you know, being a physio, but then you're also being an absolute boss 
um, and managing a clinic, which is very cool. And it's so funny, like listening to you, like you would think that you're like the older sister because you're so like eloquacious and like just. <laughs> No, no, no. Cool no, because you are very, very, very comfortable on your podcast, and I'm just like, ah. <laughs> so, no, probably just that. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like since you moved to London, like I say this to everybody, you're definitely the more confident out of the three of us now. Um, because like I feel well, I don't know. Like in London, I feel like you have to be a little bit more assertive with certain things, and um, yeah, like I rem- I can't remember where we were. Were we going out for like food or something sometime? Or and like you were just very confident to go up to the person and kind of be like, "Oh, can we can we get a table?" Or you know, like something. And I was like, <gasps> "Like, yeah, I don't know, yeah." Um, yeah, I think um, I think one thing that happens when I kind of moved down to London, and albeit when I moved down, we hit you know lockdown and things. Mm. Um, but um, I remember the very first time I came home and mum and dad picked me up we went and stayed in granton for one night i mm-hmm. think this is right i think it was the first time i came home anyway by the by and then yeah that is right and then um we came home the next day and i remember ordering some food and they were like oh we don't have it on the menu and i was like oh like what really why is it on your menu then if you mm-hmm. don't have it and and mum and dad just laughed and they were like you would have never said that before and I was like oh no that's a bad thing I was like I don't want to turn into like a really mean person from having come down here and I think that there's definitely a balance and I kind of learned that along the way mm-hmm. um, and I certainly in my mind wasn't being rude um, and we, like, even the waiter had a laugh and stuff this is just a caveat me a little bit so that people don't think I'm actually a mean person I just need to make it really clear that I'm not <laughs> um, but um but yeah, like I think, like to be honest, I think that can be with any thing. If you think about um, the clients that you're working with, um, or the lovely, lovely listeners of the podcast, I think that you you gain confidence in what you're doing once you've done it for long enough, and you kind of figure yourself out along the way. So you might uh-huh. start off on a path that, like, you're like, oh, this is the type of person that I need to be, or this is what I need to be doing to fit into this box of you know maybe the fitness industry or mm-hmm. you know I need to fit to this box if I'm going to be doing Olympic lifting or if I'm just starting out and experiencing strength and conditioning training or whatever it might be or for me coming to London but actually it's a whole process of learning about yourself throughout that journey mm-hmm. and it's not going to come straight away so now I think I've got the balance of elbows are out if you're in the say like and you just you just sharpen them before you go uh-huh. um, and but then you know you, you kick back and you chill in your community with the really nice like families that are around about and the people that just want to enjoy the park and peace together and you know you accept that the, the kind of two the, the two come together in one mm-hmm. place I think that's probably something that like up here as well like when we think about London we just think about it as or we picture it in our mind as um, like what's the what's the street that's got all the shops on it Oh, Oxford Street. Yes, I was like probably every single fucking street. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, well, I, I think to be honest though, like I was like, right, tourist mindset, what street are you thinking? Yeah, and I think that's it. So when I picture London, I picture like Oxford Street everywhere. Obviously, you live in like a borough out with what you would call the city is that right mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, we could we'll probably take like 30 minutes for us to get into the city from here mm-hmm. like as in by the chip not walking by mm-hmm. yeah and like you don't go into the city um like every day for work okay. do you no 
No, mm-hmm. I don't. I, I literally um, honestly have the jammiest commute ever. Um, I have like 15 minutes on my bike or yeah. I walk for 40 minutes. Yeah. Amazing. And that's like, and that's probably something where like, you know, people picturing like you living in London, it's like actually not like you, you essentially just live in like Athers or Wick with more amenities. And then... Essentially is like London is just basically a whole bunch of like wee towns or like villages, like mm-hmm. just basically amalgamated together. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I didn't have like, in like, you know, the kind of the neighbouring town, if you want to put it that way, I could stay where I am all the time. Mm-hmm. There's everything I need here. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I know, like Starbucks and... Gales, Gales Bakery, which is um, right at the end of our road, which is quite dangerous actually. Mm-hmm. It's a chain, but it is lovely. Mm-hmm. So yeah, access to all of those things. Mm. She says drinking her. Have you got a drink with you right now? I do. I have I have a water in mm. in a in a beer glass. Oh, lovely! Um, as you do. There's a lot that's just like but <laughs> <laughs> Do you miss like student lifestyle? Like, um, um, like I'm like thinking back to like living in a flat with other people and it continually being a mess and that being stressful and. I don't know. Do you yeah. miss any of that? I mean, well, I obviously loved Rosina. When oh, we yeah, first so moved out, we, like, we were in Hollywood. We were <laughs> living the absolute bougie lifestyle in a flat. The two of us just, you know, living high on life, thinking we were the best cats. Um, but, um, yeah, the messy part for sure, I think, mum and dad, like, had an awakening when they were like, oh my gosh, this class, what are you guys <laughs> up to? We thought we thought you better. But, um, you know, I think... Gym life? Mm, no, I don't think so. I think I prefer. I like. I I I kind of enjoy where I'm in life just now, like mm-hmm. independence and also just standing on your own two feet. I think I relied a lot on mum and dad when I first moved into Glasgow. Um, like a call every other day, being like, "Fresh gas has sent me this. Like, what does this mean?" I I just love knowing about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's nice to yeah have that kind of essential, isn't it? Like we we had an issue with our boiler the other week and um and it's that kind of shit for like you do like I, I would usually just be like oh dad like what like what do we do here and it's like no like go and like figure it out yourself and get a plumber in and stuff like and who was this oh our mortgage is up in november so we got a letter from the bank and and it's like all this stuff you don't learn in school and yeah I don't know it's like about trying to be an adult and figure it out and it's a little bit scary but also you need to also just do it because then you learn from it yeah totally yeah. I mean I do say this like I, I think a lot of people say this all the time I think it would be really really good for schools to have like a softer skill class mm-hmm. like off um, I don't really know if it comes under the terminology of soft skills but you know like just kind of figuring out how to like we were obviously very we were fortunate that we were younger like we were able to go and do like go and do things like on holidays and all the kinds of things mm-hmm. like that. But and obviously we were shipped down every other weekend to competitions. You know, all of us were like mm-hmm. rugby, discus. You know, us running. Um, 
And I think that we had, like, we, we definitely weren't spoiled. Like, we were given and shown the appreciation of money and its value and to you know, have respect for that, mm-hmm. which I really appreciate. But then seeing managing your own money is a completely different thing. Yes. So when I went to yeah. law school, like, I don't even want to, I, like, I'm so glad that that memory is so far away that I can't remember how quickly I burned through the money mm-hmm. that I had when I went to Glasgow because it would probably shock me if I knew it now. <laughs> I remember, I remember mom and dad used to like be in charge of my like bank account. Um, I, yeah, I feel like they were to start with and I would get £200 a month, um, which back in the day I was like, oh, that's like so wow. much money. Like that's £50 a week. Oh my God. Um, and like, and you did, you made it work. Um, and it's mad now, isn't it, to think like two hundred pounds. If you were, if you were to like give yourself two hundred pounds for the month now, you'd be like, that's not enough to get the food shop, the, you know, whatever. It's just yeah, yeah. Mm. the bills, etc., etc. Adult life. Um, speaking of bills, if you could eat, I've just popped into my head because I'm thinking about breakfast. One meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, no, that's massively putting me on the spot because I love food so much that's such a hard thing for me to answer let's go for breakfast then so let's go for breakfast if you could eat one breakfast but then like I don't like to put meals into boxes and I always preach that like have you know like you can have like whatever you want any time of the day (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) well if you if you have one that you would like then you say first because it's going to take me a bit okay well it definitely wouldn't be french toast which is really controversial because i just don't love i like i'll eat french toast but i don't like you know how everyone's like oh french toast i just have never you know i've never i don't even know if i've had french toast before which never finds like yeah he's like flabbergasted he's like you've never had french toast i'm like no i don't think so it's not really something that like mum or dad well dad come on now sorry dad but yeah if we were having like steak or something he would take over the kitchen but like Mm mum would never make french toast i don't think eh? no no definitely not no what even is french toast (laughs) (laughs) it's like wait you don't know what french toast is Oh, we had a conversation about it in the group chat the other day. So some people call it eggy bread, some people call it French toast. Kerry calls it mini moons for some reason. Oh, oh, I missed this chat. Okay, okay, right. So it's like so you take an egg and you like chap, not chap in a cup, or chapped eggs in a cup. That's a good meal. Um, If you take your egg and like whisk it. And then soak the bread in it and then like fry it essentially. Lovely. No, I've definitely not had that, but now I do I have heard of eggy bread. I mean oh, I've heard of French toast, but you I should, really you, should make, you should make some this weekend, maybe. Yeah, we could definitely do that. You should make it and then like put bacon or something on top. That would be tasty. Yeah. In saying that, that though, like I've literally just before that said, mm, I don't really like French. Like it's not that I don't like it. It's like I wouldn't pick it. I would choose like pancakes or something over French toast. Yes, yes. We made protein pancakes last weekend. Mm. That was lovely. How do you make your protein pancakes? Um. So one thing 
everyone should know about me. My memory's horrendous, although I just made them last week. I genuinely can't remember how I made them. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. Um, this is not setting me up good for my older self. Did they but, have, like, um, did you use a protein powder or anything? Or was yes, it... exactly. Okay. Exactly. So it was instead of, like, the flour mm. you had, um, yeah, protein powder, I think there was some form of baking powder in there, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there was an egg mm-hmm. and... Banana? Wow. Well, no, no banana. Um, uh, oh, milk. It was literally four ingredients. Yeah. I knew I was missing something that would like mix all that dry stuff together. <laughs> milk. Um, so yeah, it was actually really good. It okay. came out kind of like American pancake. Ooh, good. Yeah. And that'll probably be like the, the baking powdery that would give it like the Yeah, give it the the Yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, this is now a baking podcast. I, Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think the pancakes would be like, well, I, I love pancakes, but I don't think that would be my chosen breakfast forever and ever. But I actually have, I have decided what it would be. Okay, I don't me. actually have it that often, but my, like, absolutely, like, my breakfast I would love to have forever and ever and ever is sitting in at Granny's uh-huh. with some toast and marmalade. <laughs> oh my God, yes, and Lurpak. Yes, I'm, I'm Lurpak. Salted Lurpak and more. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not going to have a dry toast with just more food on it. Oh, well, it cracks me up. Like, when people are like, oh, if you have to put butter onto a sandwich or it's so dry, and like, the butter is not liquid. Like, it doesn't, like, it doesn't change the dryness of the sandwich. But yeah, no, I that's think it a... does make it more melty, though, to be fair. It definitely, it definitely it lubricates it to go down the esophagus. Nope. But... <laughs> it doesn't lubricate anything. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's a great shout, actually. Like, um, yes. And it was like, did Granny make her own marmalade? She did. Yeah. So, she did. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Homemade marmalade. Yeah. That I could live off of every mm, single day. Yes, yes. And it has to be in her kitchen. Like, the whole setup, the little cup of tea and everything. Yeah. We're all eating our toast at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, that's the dream. Oh my gosh. Yes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just have to do that when you're home next. We'll just have to, like, go to Granny's and be like, get the toast on, yeah. tune. Um well I I don't I don't really have anything else. I had a like a list of questions I was gonna ask you and we've kind of like I've done most of them. Um and I feel like we've kind of just like randomly spoken about other things. I don't know if there's anything else like oh actually one more question actually fizzy related question. Okay. Um mm-hmm. so I hear quite a lot in the gym and just in general conversations with people, they'll say things like, oh, I've torn a muscle or I've, and I'm like, no, you haven't, because if you did, like, obviously you would be not able to move in the way that you're moving right now. So what's a, like, what's probably the, or that's maybe not a great example, that's a more, like, physio-based example, but, like, you'll hear things and you're kind of like, oh no this is this is not like well I don't know what I'm trying to say is there anything within your industry that you hear being misused I think that's what I'm trying to say um from like a Um, like a general gen gen pop kind of perspective they'll say things or they'll use phrases um and you're like oh no let me educate you um yeah, I think to be honest though, um, I think it doesn't always come from people. I think it's like 
terms that are thrown about mm, um, mm-hmm. in general, even in you know Instagram and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of like misinformation out there, and yeah. I know that you talked about this in one of your podcasts about the fitness industry and how there is so much information out there, and that's great. But you, you need to educate yourself a little bit on actually what yeah, and be able to like sift through. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there like a so, common? Sorry, I'm butting in. No, 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 I don't. No, I was just going to say, like, is there a common, like, is there something that crops up quite a lot for you that you have to, like, talk to people about? Like, if you had a, a is it, would you say a client? Is that what you would? Yeah, I, to be honest, I, I mix between patient and client. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I'd probably say the main thing for me, um, I mean, there's there's lots of different things, but if I was to choose one that isn't too physio speak, is low back pain oh good one um, good one yeah 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 and i think that if i and i mean i can talk from personal experience with this as well outside the physio if i was doing a deadlift so i have done like so when i was like getting um, coaching through you um i think it was just last year wasn't it we, mm-hmm. we had like a stint of, of training which was great and um, when i was coming into deadlifts and i was increasing the weight um i was starting to feel like my lower back more than my hamstrings and guts and I get a lot of people that come in and say to me, oh, like, you know, I, I can't do that movement. I can't do the deadlift because it hurts my back. Or I can't do this exercise because it hurts my back. And there are genuine people out there that it does actually hurt their back, so I'm not disputing that. Um, and it's about figuring out from a, I guess, a functional perspective, actually, you know, are your hamstrings just not taking enough load? Um, can you tolerate the load that you're putting through them? So, for example, when I was... Deadlifting sixty k, I would always feel in my back first. So what I had to do was drop the weight back, so I was actually I could slow down the movement, I could keep it really functional, I could feel it in my hamstrings. That, that you know was mm-hmm. the point of the exercise. So you know it's okay to drop weight to actually feel the exercise where you're 100%. trying to target. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think to kind of umbrella the kind of low back pain, some people are quite, um, or a lot of people are quite. Um, scared um kind of tiptoe around about that pain a little bit because it, it, you know it doesn't feel nice but we do on the other side of the same coin we accept when we get domes or we feel muscle fatigue in other areas of our body like quite wild, wildly so if you mm-hmm. had like like quad doms you'd be like cool great like good session yeah yeah um but if you feel like ache in your back you're like oh that can't be good but in actual fact, we need to remember that our back is encompassed with lots of muscles as well, and mm-hmm. actually, we do need to condition them in the same way. Yes, I think there's, a, you know, there can be like a very guided approach to that. Um, but they, there are muscles there that, I say, that do need to be worked, just like you would work any other muscle in your yeah, body. So yeah. don't be afraid, or maybe afraid is too strong, but don't be wary if you do feel it in your back. Maybe think about. There's lots of things that tie into to low back pain, and I could probably ramble on for ages, and I'm not going to do that. But, um, like, you know, I think that coming to someone like yourself or Greg to kind of advise on form, um, and the way that the exercises are being performed is always a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Albeit, there's another side to that coin, which is, um, I follow a um, a physio um, online called Adam Meekins, who I highly rate, mm-hmm. and he talks a lot about actually. If we're functionally moving in a slightly different way, isn't that actually just you know making us stronger? Because you know we're not trying to perfect a movement to the 
whenever you've seen Joe Bloggs perform it, because it's the same as if you look at runners, like all runners run in different ways, but it doesn't mean Absolutely. that those who circumduct their legs, like have them going around like a windmill, are going to be injured. It's yeah. just the way that they run, and that's okay. So yeah. we are all biomechanically made up like different way, and that means that you're sometimes predisposed to different muscle groups working harder than others, or they activate more quickly or more efficiently than some other muscle groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think that might answer the question. Yeah, right? no, and that was actually such a good point you made, and I've never actually thought about it from the perspective of like, oh, I've got sore legs after that training session, like amazing tick box, like I must have beasted my workout. Oh, I can feel my back today, and it's seen as such a like a negative thing when it's actually like it may not actually be. It may just be that yes, like why do we, why do we see one as a positive and one as a negative? Like yeah, that's such a great point. And then what you were saying as well about like, there's the textbook way to do a squat or a deadlift or any kind of movement pattern. Yet everyone is an individual and moves in slightly different ways and different limb lengths and injury history and all that kind of stuff. That you know. In the same way that like deadlifting with a curved back is seen as like a big, big no-no. But actually some people like if they are strong in that position, then it can actually be okay to an extent. So hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. It's like exactly that. Strong in that position. Like you see the weightlifters do that all the time mm-hmm. because they need to get the bar off the ground. Yeah. They train in that way. Yeah. So it's like functionally appropriate for the way that they're training. Yeah, yeah. Cool, great chat. Well, I think that's a really good place to like stop. And also, we have now almost been speaking for forty minutes, which is madness. Oh, lucky, lucky people! I know. Um, thank you so much for for taking the time to to have a wee chat with everyone. Um, do you want to maybe um, before you go, tell mm-hmm. um, do what the podcast people do? Tell us where people like can find you on social media or your work or anything like that. So if they're down in London and they're thinking of dropping in, do you still do Pilates sessions at your work, or is that? Do I do, do, yeah, yeah, yeah so I'll do Pilates. Yes, tell everybody where they can find you. What was that point? Oh, <laughs> tell everybody where they can find you. <laughs> ah, okay. So you can find me at Six Physio, um, S I X Six Physio, um, in Parsons Green, um, which is southwest. And yeah, I do. Um, I say the majority of my time, I do physiotherapy, as do reformer based Pilates. Um, we've got lots of classes on, so if you ever want to pop in, you're welcome. Welcome to come along and see what Reformer Pilates is about if you've, if you've never done it before. Um, in terms of getting in touch with me, I suppose the best place is probably Instagram. Um, just you can ping me a little message if anyone has any questions related to, I don't know, movement or injury or recovery, rehab, prehab, anything like that. And obviously, Sarah, you'll be first port of call, but I'm open and welcome to any messages if people have any questions. Cool. And what's your Instagram for anyone that doesn't follow you? Um, so it's Emma Louise um, and it is two A's in Emma and two U's in Louise because Emma Louise without all of that was taken. So. Oh, sad. Yeah, I actually quite like it to be fair. Yeah, I thought to be fair, I thought you did it initially because you know how like when people have certain jobs they don't like their patients or like if you're a teacher you don't like your students to try and find you kind of way I thought you changed mm. it because of that but no. I mean I definitely have my middle name for that reason mm-hmm. absolutely like my middle name is on all of my social media mm-hmm. and it's my last mm-hmm. name because yeah I don't want anybody finding me <laughs> <laughs> a 
and now it's on the podcast for all the world to find. Well, thank you so much for listening, guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, obviously, like I was saying in the podcast, Emma's definitely the more grown up and loquacious. Like she's so she's so well spoken, isn't she? Um, unlike her potty mouth big sister. Um, but yeah, join me in the next podcast. We'll be doing a client Q and A. I'll be going through a couple of different questions that I've got from you guys in check ins and just in messages. Um, but I hope you have a lovely day, and I will catch you in the next one.